0: You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Robert. Today, I want to talk. The title of the message is The Troubles of David. When you think about David, there was a lot of triumph. He had a lot of victories in his life, but he also had a lot of troubles. Saul had been disqualified. Saul was unfit to be the king. And the Lord would choose another man. And I want you to hear what he says about David. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, Pastor Aaron, if you have Miss Mary with the microphone there, she, she can pray f- over this word in just a second. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. She's talking about Saul. The Lord has sought him a man after his own what? A man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Saul was unfit to be the leader. Saul had not been obedient. He had not followed the commands. And God says, I got another man. And I just believe that as a leader, we're held with greater accountability, that a leader ought to lead by example, Can somebody say amen? Amen. So we're going to learn a little bit about the troubles of David. So we find that Saul has been uh, disqualified. So why has God chosen David? It's all about his heart. According to the word, the Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. So what, what, what are we saying there? David had been faithful, a faithful believer and a follower of the Lord, diligently trying to please the Lord. God wants somebody with a heart of compassion. So David's heart was so compassionate and he was so just in all of his dealings that God himself said that David's heart was just like God's heart. Now don't misread that. Don't misinterpret that. God did not say David was perfect. God did not say that David was not going to mess up. The only thing God said right there is David has a heart just like mine. Up until now, David had demonstrated a just heart showing no partiality, no favoritism to nobody. And because of his faithfulness, God richly blessed David and the nation of Israel. Now this thought came to my mind. Uh, let, let me say that again. Because of David's Faithfulness. God blessed David and the nation of Israel. And in, in my uh, mind, uh, earlier in the week, I thought, man, I've said this uh, about every message uh, over the last few months that your choices that you make will not only affect you, but it will affect everybody else. So right there, because David's faithfulness, God blessed David, but also the entire nation. So not only does your good choices but your bad choices and that's what we're gonna learn a little bit about today. David had become one of the greatest kings of the earth. My wife and I was laying in bed last night and she said, "Uh, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I I told her about David and, and she laid there for a second and she said, think about David. She said, at one time in his life, he was out in the field, in the elements, in the cold, in the heat, sweaty, dirty, sleeping out in the field and he triumphs and he ends up in the palace. And we drifted on off to sleep and I was thinking this morning, sometimes the palace can bring you a lot of problems. Can anybody agree? Sometimes you can look back and say, maybe when I didn't have as much, I might just have been a little bit closer to God. Can anybody say amen? So because of his faithfulness, God richly blessed David. But now, tragically, David failed and he slipped Backwards, uh, and he started this downward spiral that would end in utter catastrophe for him, his family, and the nation. He started this slipping, uh, and this thought came to my mind when I was a kid, and, and you was on a sled, and, and you're looking at that steep hill, and they said, go ahead and go. And I wanted to go, but but maybe I didn't want to go. and So I'd get on the sled, and I'd go just a few feet, and I'd stop. And I'd go back up. Can I tell you, when you feel like you're going downhill, that you are on a slippery slope, it's a lot easier to stop at the top of the hill and get back up. Then once you begin to pick up momentum, then you got such speed that snowballs, you can't stop. I tell my kids all the time, what is the best way? Cody, what is the best way to quit something? Don't start. Can someone say amen? So listen to me. Here I am again saying, his choices didn't only affect him, but the whole family and the nation. Now I want you to know before I go any further that yes, this entire scripture that I'm about to enter into in 2 Samuel 11 and 1 is about the adulterous affair of David and Bathsheba. Now don't think for a second that I'm only preaching on adultery because you would miss it. You need to hear there are so many points here that can help us today, even those that may be on the brink of committing adultery. So in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse one, and it came to pass after the year was expired, winter time was over, and at the times when kings go forth, and that is in the springtime, they would go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. David neglected his duties. He's not leading by example. When you don't do what you're supposed to do, trouble will come. So he sent the armed forces out to war and he remained in the palace in Jerusalem. He sent Joab, which is his own personal royal guard. And every able man he sent to fight, but David stayed home. He was back home living in the comfort of his palace, indulging in the pleasures of life. David was restless one evening. You'll always be restless when you don't go where you're supposed to go. You will always be restless when you don't do what you're supposed to do. Has anyone had those kind of nights? Huh? I got a house full of lying people. (laughs) David was restless this one evening in verse two, and it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from his bed and he walked upon the roof of the king's house. See, they didn't have front porches like you and I have front porches. They had a flat roof. And their porch would be up on the roof, so you're up high and you're overlooking. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. David's headed for trouble. She was married to Uriah. And David sent and he inquired after the woman, And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Not only did he look, but he inquired. The look will get you in trouble. You're right there at the top of the hillside. You still got time to get back. But no, you got to inquire. Because temptation is strong. Don't act like it's not. How many's ever been tempted by something and then you say after, Lord, I'll never do that again. And then the very next minute, the temptation shows up again. Temptation is strong. Can someone say amen? Amen. So she was married to Uriah. Here we go again. Your choices will affect not only you, and I'm gonna keep saying it, but it will affect everybody that is around you. So listen, she was married to Uriah, which was one of David's honored soldiers. Honored soldiers. And David is eyeballing. He's window shopping, looking for some eye candy. <laughs> There's a joke behind that. <laughs> I'm not going there. Daughter, Bathsheba is the daughter of one of David's prominent warriors. She's the wife of one of his honored soldiers, the daughter of one of David's prominent warriors, and the granddaughter of a counselor to David. So his choices is not only hurting himself, but they're hurting and Bathsheba's choice. Ladies, you're not getting out of this unscathed, not happening. So David pursued, that means he was sexually Aroused, verse four. And David sent messages and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. Now I don't know how else to say it. She had just went through her menstrual cycle. You got to get this, or you'll miss the whole point of the message. Okay. And she returned unto her house. The first point David pursued. David was on fire. He was aflame with lust. He was burning. He had to have it. He's desiring her. Listen to me, they committed adultery. He committed adultery the very moment that he was standing on the roof looking at her and he started to lust for her. The adultery was committed in his heart before she ever came to his house. Be careful. Be careful what we look at. I'm speaking to myself. Be careful. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 28. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Jesus said it. Now don't misinterpret that. Jesus didn't say those that look at a woman. He said those that look at a woman with lust in their heart, there is a difference. Somebody say amen. Verse five, and the woman conceived and she sent and told David. She had slept with David right after her cycle. So it couldn't have been her husband's. That's what I'm trying to get at in a nice way. So I don't get any emails tomorrow. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. His choice didn't only affect him. Listen, very important. If you read that, you have to come to the thought that it was a one-time event. It was singular. Sounds to me like it was one time, a solitary event. Be careful when you say, I'm only gonna do it once. It ain't gonna hurt nobody. It'll be a secret. Secrets don't work out real well. David comes up with a plan. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. David's got a plan. Have you ever had a plan to try to cover something up? Be honest, anybody ever have a plan to try to cover something up? Some of you are getting set free right now. Right now, you're starting to tell the truth. David's plan was to escape guilt and the detection of his sin. In other words, he had a cover up The best thing he could have done when he stepped out on the roof and he looked over and he seen her bathing, he should have went back to bed and covered up. Right? But he didn't. Verse six said, and David sent to Joab, saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was to come unto him, how Joab did, and how did the people do, and how the war, how how's it prospered? He asked Uriah for an update report on the war, really? He didn't sin for him for that reason. David had a plan. Listen to verse eight, and David said to Uriah, go down to the house and wash thy feet. Uriah, go down to your house. You've come from a long journey, and you're dirty, you're tired. Go down to your house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. So the king tells Uriah, You go on home. Everybody else is out to battle. You've come a long way. You go on home and after he sent him out, the Bible says that he even sent a gift of meat. And one of my commentaries said it probably had wine with it. So what's he, his plan is for Uriah Uriah to go home and have a good evening with his wife, sleep with his wife. Then when she comes and says I'm pregnant, he'll just think it's his. He's got a plan. David said to Uriah, go down to the house and wash thy feet and sleep with your wife. Listen to me. Verse nine, but Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord and went not down to his house. Went not down. Now this man has been gone from his wife. He's in a battle. He's walked a long way. He's gotta be tired. He needs a bath himself. He's gotta be hungry. And the king says to him, you go home and you have an evening with your wife. And this man says, I will not go down there. The king had a decree that during wartime that no warrior was allowed to have intimate relations at all. So Uriah was connected to the king. Uriah had better character and integrity than the king. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? So David's deceptive scheme failed. Uriah slept with the palace servants. In verse 10, and when they had told David, saying Uriah went not down into his house, David said unto Uriah, comest thou not from thy journey? Are you not tired? Why then didst thou not go down into thy house? And in verse 11, and Uriah said unto David, the ark and Israel and Judah abide in the tents. Can I stop there? He's saying my choice to go home would affect the ark, Israel, Judah. They're all out there in the tent, I I won't do that. I won't do it. And my Lord Joab is there, and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. He said, shall I then go into my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife. And then he says, as thou livest, and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. And I made myself a note, preach when temptation comes. When the pill bottle shows up, You say, I will not do this thing. When somebody flirts with you at work, I will not do this thing. When it shows up on the internet, when it shows up wherever, I will not do this thing. Thing because once you start down the slippery slope, momentum will pick up and sin will take you further than you wanna go, keep you longer than you wanna stay and cost you a lot more than you wanna pay. If you know what I'm talking about, give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. Don't go there. Somebody say, I will not go. Uriah explained his behavior. He said his spirit was unified with the Lord and with the soldiers on the battlefield. huh? And I made myself another note early this morning, we're each other soldiers. We need to be unified with the Lord, but we need to be concerned when temptation comes. How's it gonna affect us? my soldier brother that sits on the pew with me. How's it going to be with the one that I'm in a life group with? How's it going to be when I'm at work Uh, and I've been testifying about God and now I'm going to let myself get all messed up and embarrass myself and my family and my church and my God. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? We've got to say I'm not going down there. I'm staying no matter what happens. Satan, you are a liar and I shall not surrender to the temptation in my life oh what do i do what i do affects the lord but he affects everybody around me so david's plan it failed and he didn't quit can i tell you temptation won't quit sin continues to draw verse 12 and david said to uriah tarry here today also and tomorrow and i will let thee depart so Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And even at that, he went out to lie on his bed with his servants of the Lord, but went not down to his house. He wouldn't go. He wouldn't go. There are some places, if you're going to be obedient to God, you can't go. Do you hear what I'm saying? I can't go where I used to go. I was coming down 19 this week and there at Hepsi Ball, there's that log cabin on the hill. Used to, it it was not a log cabin, it burned down. It was an old building called the Odyssey Club. And I just kind of smiled to myself and thought, you know what? I don't even have a desire to go. That's where I was at the night uh, that the Holy Spirit came from heaven above, touched my heart on the bar stool, uh, picked me up and took me out of that bar. And I told my friends that night, I love you, but I ain't coming back. Uh, There's some places you can't go. Uh, Do you hear me? My dad used to say, you lay down with the dogs, uh, you're gonna get up with the fleas. Do you hear what I'm saying? Is that down where the rubber meets the road? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Uh, I'm telling you, there's some places you can't go. There's some people you can't hang around. If the people that you hang around are not sowing positive, godly word into your life, then they are not your friend, they are your enemy sent by the devil above, below and God is your answer. My goodness, my goodness. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I can't go there. I can't go there. I'm telling you right now, if somebody's not breathing life into you, then they're sucking life out of you. If they're not telling you with God all things are possible, then they're telling you you're a failure and God is a failure. I'm here to tell you that no matter what goes on in your life, God is still God and God doesn't want us to go everywhere that the world goes. God is a holy God and he's looking for a remnant bunch of holy people that said I will not go down there. If you believe it, give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. I haven't done that for a while, have I? Woo! Praise God, David got Uriah drunk, hoping he would go home to Bathsheba. But Uriah still slept with the servants. Deception is what he was trying. He was trying to deceive Uriah. Deception is the very opposite of truthfulness. Truthfulness. Are you being truthful to yourself? Sometimes we lie to ourselves so long we believe it. If we scheme to deceive a person, we are not walking in the truth. Listen to what God's word says. In Colossians 3 and 9, lie not one to another, lie. I'm talking about telling a lie, not lying down. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Psalms 101 and seven. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, we gotta get it straight. Having failed to get Uriah to spend an intimate night with his wife, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. David, the Bible said, he spent a restless night. Let's go back to the first night where we picked up the story. He had a night of enthusiasm. He was aflame. He was on fire. It looked so good. He couldn't wait. The adrenaline. He's looking and he said, I gotta have it. What a great night, huh? What a great night. Is that little fraction of time worth destroying you, your family, your reputation? You say, Pastor, you're talking to the church. It's exactly who I'm talking to. We've been down that road with many people, many people. He plotted one of the most shocking evils. He goes from the night of excitement to a restless night, worried, fearful, wrestled with doubt, shame, trying to cover it up. Anybody ever have a night like that? Not just talking adultery, this whole message is not just adultery. He plotted one of the most shocking evil schemes by any man and you say, well, how would that be? You look on the news, I watch how our police officers are being murdered every day. So how could this have been one of the most evil schemes? Because God said, David had a heart just like his. Be careful, none of us are immune to failure. Verse 14, and it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab. Remember who Joab is? He's the number one guard of King David. It came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab. Now listen to this, man. How far has he went? And he sent it by the hand of Uriah. Uriah didn't even know that he sealed in this letter was his own death warrant, and it was in his hand. In his hand. Somebody give me a cell phone, this just came to me. Somebody, somebody hand me a cell phone. In the culture that we're living today, $1,000 phone, you throwing that thing around? <laughs> Is the church paying for this? Shee. <laughs> he had a letter with his own death warrant. And in the culture that we're living in today with such great technology and such smart people, right there's the death of most people. Their emails catch them up. Their sex texting catches them up. (laughs) I'm not talking about just Anthony Weiner in Washington, DC. One of our leaders, I'm being serious. You'd think at least they'd be smart enough, huh? God sees everyone. <laughs> oh, help me. I could have went down the wrong road there. I'm not throwing this, all right? Look here. That's how you do that. Both hands, all right? Both hands. <laughs> careful. You could be walking around the office all cool with your phone. And you got your own death warrant right there in your hand. Wow, she's quiet in this house right now, Huh? And he wrote in the letter, listen to this, saying, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle. He's trying to cover it up, isn't he? And retire you from him, (laughs) that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah into a place where he knew that the strongest and the most wicked men were. Unknown to Uriah, he's carrying his own death threat. In his hands. Joab ordered Uriah to attack the city. Verse 17, and the men of the city went out, and the men, your choice don't affect just you. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab. And there fell some of the people of the servants of David, David's servants, Perished because of his choice. And Uriah the Hittite died also. Uriah and some of the old, some of the other soldiers needlessly died. Stand with me this morning. And give me five minutes. I want you to stand. David was not guilty, not only guilty of Uriah's death, But guilty of many others, my choice in life, my choices in life affect my three children. My choices in life affect my wife. My choices in life affect this entire church because I am a leader. Guess what, you are too in some form or fashion. You are a leader. Your choices will affect your children, your grandchildren. Joab sent a message to give a report to David. Listen to this in verse 25. Then David said unto the messenger, thus shalt thou say unto Joab, let not this thing displease thee. He sends Joab out there to have Uriah killed. He gets a message that he's killed. Now he sends a message to Joab trying to encourage him. It's okay. He kind of quoted a proverb. For the sword devireth one as well as another. David says, make the battle more strong against the city and overthrow it and encourage thou him. Told the messenger Tell him to go ahead and destroy the whole place. And by the way, encourage Joab. It tells me that David felt like he had a sigh of relief. Whew. All the evidence is gone. Can I tell you something? With God in heaven above, all the evidence is never gone. Because God never sleeps and God never slumbers. His eyes are roaming to and fro. And he knows everything about us when nobody's even around. Verse 26, and when the wife of Uriah, this this just burnt me up. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. She mourned for her husband. Wasn't it her choice too? And I looked at that, that mourning, mourn for her husband, according to other places in scriptures, that lasts 30 days. Honey, I'm gonna tell you something. If i died April 10th, by May 10th, you still better been grieving. You give me at least a year of some tears. <laughs> I just thought I I made myself a note. I didn't want to forget that. That's an important part of the message. And when the morning, and the morning, I don't mean daylight, the morning. And when the morning was past, 30 days. Somebody say 30 days. She really loved him. David sent and fetched her to his house. She became his wife. She bare him a son. Listen to me. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Now you gotta realize nobody knew that this son was conceived by the king. They thinking the king has brought her into the palace. He has married her knowing she's with child from Uriah. That's what they thought. So it looks like in the eyes of the people, that this is a noble act of David. What a man David is. Look what David's done, he's brought Uriah's wife in, she's got Uriah's child, he marries her and he's gonna raise his child. That's what it looked like in the eyes of the people. Can I tell you what comes through the eyes of the people don't always mean that it's right. It's what we assume, assumption is never right. I'm sure David felt like everything is gonna be all right now for the sake of time. I want you when you go home to go to 2 Samuel chapter 12. But the Lord sent a man by the name of Nathan. And Nathan read David's mail. Long story short, Nathan called David out, the message of God to David. There was a list of blessings going into chapter 12. That David had, listen to this, the message of God to David, a list of blessings. He said, you had a position. You was made the king. You had protection from Saul. You had wealth, because I gave you Saul's estate. You had royal privilege. You received all of Saul's wives. It's like he needed another one. You had a unified nation. David, you had lack of nothing. I think God was saying to him, why don't you count your blessings? Instead of looking for something else in life, why don't we count our blessings? Can you take 30 seconds right now and in that 30 seconds don't whine about nothing. How your spouse leaves their shoes underneath the coffee table. Why don't you take 30 seconds and count your blessings? Can I testify? Can I just testify for a moment? During worship, this thought was in my mind. I was born September 29th, 1961. It makes me 38 years old. And I was born to the parents. Bob and Anna Shingleton what a blessing never once abused me my dad worked hard to provide for us my mom took care of us staff they laugh i said i never had cereal in my life when i got up in the morning mom had bacon and eggs and toast my clothes were laid out she was a mom man i tell people i had a drug problem they drug my butt to church They raised me right. I never, ever heard my mom and dad curse. Never seen them smoke or drink because they didn't. All my life, he's been faithful. I grew up in between, out on the farm, my dad's parents to the right, my mom's parents to the left. Godly grandparents, aunts, uncles. count my blessings that when I got about 16 and decided to go my own way, away from the Lord, through a mom's prayers, I was blessed the Holy Spirit took me off of a bar stool. The Holy Spirit protected me one night when guns were involved that I could have been killed or locked up in prison. I'm not bragging about any of that. Cause if my kids tried today I'll take you out you won't have to go to jail blessed to be married to a wonderful godly woman blessed that he not because of my degrees ain't got none except the ones on the thermometer out there but he wants your heart if you give him your heart It'll take you where you can never imagine. So he said, why don't you count your blessings? And he showed him all that. And then if you go on through chapter 12, he gives him a list of charges. You despise God's word is what he says. Every choice you make, if you don't make it according to God's word, then you you don't love God's word. Whatever choice you're about to make, And this year, whenever it might be, you better line it up with God's word because if not, you can't get back to the top of the slippery slope. It'll take you where you don't want to go. He said you despise God's word, then first degree premeditated murder is what you committed. He goes on in chapter 12, it says you committed adultery, deception, then comes the pronouncement of God's judgment. God is a God of love, but he's a God of wrath. David's house would be filled with violence. Back to the point again. Not just David because of his choice. But because, excuse me, but his whole household. That's that's the Bible. 2 Samuel 12 and 10. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house. Because thou hast despised me, and has taken the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, to be your wife. David's own house would grieve his own house. Some of his sons would actually rebel. Two of his sons was murdered. The baby died. Incest rape of David's daughter by his son, her half brother. And I can go on and on and on because at the top of the mountain when he he started to slide he didn't get back. I'm here to help somebody today but you're starting to slip and you still have room to get back to the top of the mountain. 2 Samuel 12 and 12 listen to this. For thou didst in secret but I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the sun. David slept with Bathsheba in secret. Now if you read chapter 12, David's wives had sex with even his sons publicly. What's done in the dark will come out in the light. You won't hide that secret. You won't hide it. The confession, here's the turning point. We had one turning point from a man with God's own heart on a rooftop, turning to the wrong direction. Now here's the good turn. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, and David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Bam! That's who we sin against. David confessed right there, and here's our God, listen to this. And David said unto Nathan, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, this quick, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. That quick today. That quick. God can put away your sin. Somebody say, how be it? Verse 14, how be it? Because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Verse 16, David therefore besought God for the child and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. Verse 10, and it came to pass on the seventh day, the child died. Now, he said he went in and he laid down and he fasted and he prayed all night. And then it says seven days later. So he done this for seven days. And his servants They were so worried about him that when they got the message that the child died, they didn't even want to tell him, but he overheard them. So what did he do? Verse 20, then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself, changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord. And I wrote this in just moments before I came out of my office, some here, have been through some painful losses. And some by internet, some on WBOYs that are watching, you've been through some painful, painful losses. And I can't tell you, a lot of you lost children, I can't tell you how you feel. But I'm sure David hurt. David didn't get mad at God. This is another point in this message that will help us all. David did not get mad at God. First of all, David confessed. He didn't blame everybody else. Even though he went down the slippery slope and he tried his best to cover it up, when he was confronted with it by Nathan, he said, I've sinned against the Lord. I get so upset, man, when people just blame everybody else. So, you this morning has been hurt. Verse 22, and he said, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and I wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? In verse 23, he says, but now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Shall I go to him? He shall not return to me. I shall, excuse me, I shall go to him but he shall not return to me. David didn't get mad at God. Why would he get mad at God? Our choices have consequences. And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and he went in unto her, and he lay with her, and she bare him a son, and he called his name Solomon. Listen to this. And the Lord loved him. I got all over me. Solomon became the wisest of all people, of all men. They were married. They conceived. She gave birth. They named him Solomon. And the Bible said, and the Lord loved him. And here it is. He is the God of not only second chances. He is the God of many Chances. I'm not condoning the adulterous affair. I'm not condoning anything that any of us are involved in. But I'm telling you, if you are, confess it to the Lord. And instantly, the Lord will touch your heart. Change your direction. And he's the God of second chances. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to give this message to the Christians in the house and I I want you to just be 100% honest man if you needed this message today for whatever reason slip your hand toward heaven don't let it just fall and just kind of wash away the seed let it land in good soil You're close enough to the top of the hill that you can get back. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed and you're here this morning and I don't know your heart, maybe you've never accepted Christ as your personal savior. I think it's the greatest thing. I know it's the greatest thing. There's a lady here this morning, gave her life to Christ this past Sunday and she's back and I can tell a difference in her demeanor. It's true, can tell the glow on her face. So if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ, I remember the night I got off that bar stool and I went down and they were having church and I slipped in the back door and the preacher said something like this, if you was to die today, would heaven be your home? And I knew I couldn't answer yes. If death was to knock on your door today, would heaven be your home? If you can't answer yes, I won't come to you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. It's not embarrassing. I'm not gonna single you out. Let's slip up your hand real high, right where you're at, and say today I'd like to give my life to Christ. Is there one in the house? Is there one? Is there one? I'm not gonna tarry long. I'm not gonna try to drag you. Is there one today who would like to give your life to Christ? Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups.